What's up, potophiles? Get how I did that? I made you sound like a bunch of pedophiles, but you're not your potophiles. So I lumped you in with Jared from Subway and that dude from Glee. I wonder if now that Jared's incarcerated, he's become a fan. He has a lot of time to listen to us. Anyway, potophiles, to bring you up to date, Michael has divorced his wife, quit his job, and moved to Ohio. Crazy, right? I know. What the hell was he thinking? There is a plan in place to podcast across state lines, but we haven't yet worked that out. We did record an episode 58 before he left Cali, but that is currently in his hands to process. In the meantime, not wanting to deprive you guys of my lovely voice, I asked our mutual friend Martin Bailey if he would like to do a podcast on movies. Of course he said yes, because who doesn't want to talk to me? I originally intended this new podcast about movies to make it its own podcast, but after thinking about all the work involved, the website, building a new audience, and all the other technical crap behind it, I decided to just include it as part of GetConvinced.com. So here is a new episode 58 of Get Convinced. Michael will eventually get around to the actual episode 58 and put that up. But in the meantime, here is Get Convinced with special guest Michael Hutchinson, and sitting in for him is special guest Martin Bailey. I'm Vince Roca. Martin Bailey. <laughs> and uh, we have, we're doing a new podcast, as of yet unnamed, unnamed movie podcast. Sounds good. I don't know what to name it. No idea. Should we just generically name it the Unnamed Movie Podcast? There you go. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, various movies that are out, or mostly screeners, I guess, mostly the Academy Award movies. Um, but you were just saying that this is uh, this is your first podcast. This is the first time I've ever even put these things close to me, so... Yeah. You've you've never been on you've never been no. interviewed on a radio show no. or uh, uh, over the phone. So it's usually cell phones and those kind of things. So that but, was just like that was just like talking into a phone. Yeah, um, it's very exciting, isn't it? It's very exciting. You got headphones on. You got I a pop headphones. filter. I actually feel like you know a professional. Right it's now. it's like the it's the real deal in here. Except yes. uh, you know we're just in a room in in my house or or the. No, we're not. We're actually in a private studio somewhere. It's very expensive. Well, that's what Michael and I call yeah. it the the podcasting studio. <laughs> Uh, if you're wondering thousands what, of dollars an hour to have, you know, two producers watching us uh, do this stuff. Uh, if you, if you're wondering, what's he talking about? Michael, uh, I do another podcast called, uh, convinced with Michael Hutchinson. Uh, so you can look for that podcast, but, um, yeah, so we were just talking about Oscar screeners. Um, I have over 50 Oscar screeners because I am very well connected in the industry. Yes. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, I actually get the movies for you on time. Uh, so you can actually record and watch and enjoy. So so we can watch the screeners. We, each year we've done this. This is the first podcast, but we've uh, we've been doing movie day with Oscar screeners for, I don't know, like five years, six Off years? Off and on for five or six years at least. Yeah, something before. like that. So yeah. for the past five years around uh, Christmas time, um, Martin gets a bunch of screeners. And uh, do you want to tell us how you get your screeners? Uh, my dad is uh, an actor. And he gets a nice little, nice little boxes, nice little packages, nice little uh, gifts from uh, movie companies from all over the world. And this year, it's about—I I would say about eighty movies so far. So it's pretty nice. And I've only gotten fifty, so I'm yeah. missing about thirty. Yeah. So in about sixty of them, I've never heard of. So it's always fun to. What yeah. Heck? You know what is this? And check it out and go from there. Yeah, you. Uh, you, you yeah, you you get to see a lot of shitty movies. Oh yeah. And uh, occasionally find some gems. Yeah. Although uh, not too often on the gem part. No. Every once, every once in a while. But yeah, it's 
you put everything in two piles. You, you put in the pile like, you know, the, the movies you've heard of, obviously, and then the pile of I have no idea what the hell this is. And that one is, uh, you never know. You give them 10 or 15 minutes of your time, and if they thrill you, you watch for another hour. <laughs> and if they don't thrill you after 10 or 15 minutes, I can only assume that you're not missing anything else. Yeah, so. there, were, there were a couple of really bad ones. So it far. happens, you know. It uh, happens. This year's gem for me was the big short. Absolutely. I uh, I mean, I knew it was coming out. It was coming out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, but you had gotten the copy somewhere around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, watched that movie, and it's phenomenal movie. It's crazy good. It's mo- it's one of the most bizarre, fun, just crazy movie. It's do you think, absolutely insane. Do you think it's going to be Best Picture? It'll get nominated for everything. It'll get nominated for everything, but, but do you think it'll win? So far I, with what you've seen, what I, is best I, picture material? I really think uh, Big Short, Trumbo, and Mad Max um, will be fighting. will be duking it out. Those are the big three. Spotlight, only because of the people in it and what it's involved with. But I really think uh, Trumbo, you know, Brian Cranston is just on fire. It's just like the last 10 years of his career. Do you it's think just, that's the best picture-worthy movie? I don't know. I, I it, To me, no. But to voters, to people out there, uh, especially what the movie's about... It's, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, we're going to make a political statement type of thing, just like the movie did. So let's vote for it. Let's give it a let's give it a nod and, you know, go from there. I mean, Brian was, you know, it was amazing performances. It's a it's a it's an unbelievable story that this actually happened in our country. It's one of those like just it's weird. You watch the movie and you're almost like, did this really happen? And you're like, yeah, just a few years ago, people were actually went to jail for making a movie, you know, and not porn, not anything crazy. Not even anything politically over the top. It was just, oh, they might be Russian. They might be communist. They might be this. They might be that. And so it's an interesting movie. And I think some of the voters out there will give it that nod. We're like, well, I like such and such movie, maybe better, but let's make a statement here. It's interesting. I wasn't that shocked by the subject matter in Trombo. Um, I I guess mostly because maybe I'm just a little more aware of it than a, than a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but our our Americans uh, awful history is very close to the lives that we live today. Yeah. Uh, it was thought that you, it was impossible to teach a woman how to read. Yeah. Uh, it was thought that a, a, if a woman voted, she would go hysterical. Um, black people had to drink out of separate fountains. So yeah. all of this is, and, th- and know, this is just, you literally look at it it's just a few years ago yeah this, it's, this it's just like, a few years this is. isn't like ancient history no. like you know man you know just like people talk about it and they you know it's folklore and they talk about it it's like there's still places in this country where you actually have fountains they say colored only and you're just like now and especially in california maybe i say especially california i mean it's not like there's not racist or sexist you know pieces of crap out here but it's just a different lifestyle out here so you don't really see it you don't really feel it but if you go to Mississippi, if you go to other states, I'm going to put out some states, Mississippi, Louisiana and stuff. You're going to go in some towns where you're just like, wow, it's 2016. People wake up and, you know, they're not really waking up. So black people and women and, and any culture is so they, they're not supposed to be able to do anything. They can't do anything. It's, you know, so movies like Trumbo bring it out, bring that attention out and and keep keep that story alive where it's like. It should scare you. It should, you know, make you think. Well, Trumbo is not about racism. It is about. It, it kind of is. The, the women really didn't really work. And if you were thought to be communist, if you were thought to be anything but like the perfect white Christian, 
you were put on blacklists. I mean, it wasn't just communists. It was just there was a lot of people that were screwed over and a lot of people, you know, banished even from the country. Well, you had to. So you had, it didn't you really come be... out in the movie, but if you really look into the history of it, it, it got a little wild. It got very, very crazy and very, very scary. You, you had to be willing to out your friends. If you weren't willing and to family. name names or, was, and yeah. family, no. then then you were considered a, a, an enemy of the state. Sympathizer yeah, slash sympathizer. then it went into the enemy of the state and all that kind of stuff. So it's one of those things. The movie doesn't get that rough, but then you sit there and there's no spoilers here. I mean, if you know anything about the, the man, it's like he actually wrote best pictures, but it was a under few, fake yeah. names. You know, it was under fake names. Right. So he actually had to sit there and it's great. Trombo. Very, Brian yeah, Cranston plays uh, Trombo. So he actually has to sit there with his family and watch it on television, just like everybody else, that he just won the award for the best picture. And he can't celebrate it. He can't even talk about it. And they don't know who to give the Oscar to because it's yeah. a fake name. So, and they don't know, uh, you know, once the Oscar shows up, who gets it. Yeah. And then who wants it. Yeah. So here we go 40, 50 years later, 30 years later. And Vince and I and my friend Michael also um, – we sit here and watch these screeners, and we're just like, wow, some of these movies, you know, they're just passing out for free. It's like candy. And then just just a few years ago, just a few years before we were even born, you know, some people couldn't even make movies. And now anybody can make a movie, and anybody can, you know, do Well, things. that history has has definitely come a long way. Yeah. But um, if, I mean, if in the movie industry, and the movie industry has obviously gotten so much more liberal and uh, back in the Trombo days, which are in circa 1960-ish. Um, I don't know the date because I don't know my history that 50s well. And 60s. I know my history vague enough to uh, bullshit my way through something or understand, not vague enough to actually quote. That's another <laughs> podcast called Hardcore History. Um, we don't do any research on this show unless it involves watching a two-hour movie. Uh, but anyway, in the 60s, uh, he, that, that's when Trombo takes place. Now you fast forward today and yeah, anybody, I mean, regardless of, uh, political affiliation or whatever, you can make a movie, a member of ISIS. They've made many very popular movies of Americans being beheaded. Uh, not exactly, uh, uh, maybe my cup of tea or no. your cup of tea, but they've gotten millions of views. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, there is a filmmaker or maybe it, it, this is actually kind of a fascinating thought. What if ISIS has its own film community and they have a director that's responsible for their beheading videos and is more well-known than George Lucas? Absolutely. <laughs> it could happen. I mean, because, you know, the Nazis did that. There was, you know, very famous movies from the 30s and 40s. That is true. Came, that came, is that. came from Otto and came from uh, several uh, Germans that were making movies directly for Hitler and put Hitler's name up, you know, first. And uh, so you never know. I mean, ISIS could be doing it. Other, you know, the Taliban, be, you know, can be doing that kind of stuff. You never know. That is true. I was making a joke, so, but actually, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. I so was... you never know. History can repeat itself, and it does. I mean, we see that. So there you go. Uh, so, uh, Trombo, uh, while it may be, uh, very different in the film industry, I think, uh, part of our, as we just touched on ISIS, I think part of America's problem with, uh, profiling and singling out Muslims and, uh, or Arabs or, or ISIS or whatever you want to call it at the moment, uh, cause it's certainly not Muslims and it's not, no. uh, I, we agree that all ISIS is bad, but this most recent terrorist attack apparently wasn't committed by ISIS. So it's not necessarily ISIS uh, and it's not Arabs. I mean, there's over yeah. 
what is it? There's over a billion Muslims on this planet. If yeah. they truly wanted us dead, we would be. Yeah. Um, so to say that it's Muslims or to say that it's uh, Arabs is wrong. But uh, you, currently in our political climate, we've got people who don't want to let refugees into this country. We've got people who want to throw Mexicans out of this country. Uh, basically, you have people who are being blacklisted or blackballed. As so, uh, as I just said, America repeats it. History repeats itself. Right. And especially so, in America, it's just like, it's like a cyclical thing. It's every 10 or 15 years, somebody gets up on a stage and says something, and it's just more outlandish. So you, you want to look at certain you know people uh, talking the way they talk now. It's like, this isn't anything new, unfortunately. No. And, and that's, you know, they just have, uh, before social media and before radio and before podcasts, like what we're doing right now, uh, you, you would just, you would talk to a hundred, you know, a couple hundred people. Now you can actually just sit here and talk to a couple million people. So uh, that's about the uh, technology's helping, uh, you know, speech. That's the biggest uh, good, thing that is, you know, good and bad. So. Yeah, I mean, we're now we're slightly, we're varying more off of the movie topic. But no, yeah, yeah, back in back in the day, a trombone made it very hard for anybody to assemble. Yeah. Uh, if you lived, uh, I mean, whether you lived in, if you lived in California and you had a neighbor three store, three doors down who hated blacks or hated Jews, uh, you just thought of him as the crazy old man, you know, the crazy old racist. And that was all there is to it. And he was the only guy in the street and he had no ability to assemble. Yeah. Uh, today that crazy guy in the street sends out one email and all of a sudden becomes part of a thousand other crazy right. guys on streets. And then they have meetings and it grows and it grows from there. And gone are the days when the KKK, which I guess still meets, but when you had to meet in a field and gather that way, yeah. uh, today you meet online and that's where we end up with, you know, ISIS. Yeah, because in Trumbo, to, I mean, to go back to the actual mo the movie, um, who knows if it was his next door neighbor, but there were neighbors that, yeah, and it's great, and it's great scenes of him just getting into his house, just just walking into his house, and people thought he was a communist, and people would throw things at him and and say horrible things at him, and you just, it, it's just it's just really uh, good filmmaking because it's not over dramatic, it's not um, the and the over other the top. The other interesting parallel is there was a war on communism, but it wasn't a war on communism; it was a war on Russia. Yeah. Just as today we have this war on, I don't know, war on Muslims or war on yeah. ISIS or war on Afghanistan. Um, but war on terrorists, but is nobody it, wants yeah, to war say on terrorists. Terrorist. But, but so. what are we really at war right. with? Um, so I think that's why Trumbo is kind of it's, – it's out there. And at you know, the with, time, I'm not sure if people were – well, the general population, I think – think was really at war with communism because that's what they were told they didn't really understand that it was a war with russia and i'm curious what it's going to be like 20 years from now when we look back today and go oh we were never at war with isis or we were never at war with muslims or whatever we were truly at war with this yeah um but Absolutely. you you know it, the the political landscape tends to keep that shit from us so somebody will make a movie, keep it clouded somebody make a movie in five or ten years or 15 about years today and about, about people being yeah people being in 2012 and 2015 and make a movie about san bernardino which is you know close to us and to keep the history you know going but then it's just like well history repeats itself so something else is horrible gonna happen and um yeah now I thought Trumbo was a good movie, but I don't think it. And I, Brian Cranston kicked ass, but I don't think it remotely qualifies as Picture of the Year. Yeah, I, I still think Big Short or Mad Max. Th those two uh, haven't seen The Revenant yet, so I can't. All right, I can't so 
You know, I can't qualify. You know, I can't uh, put just those two, and that's it. But, I I haven't seen the Revenant yet either. I heard that it is shot with only available light. Yeah, they went out into the forest. Yeah, and they it's just real, shot it's real world with, stuff. Yeah. So it, it was which really lessened the crew, and think. it's kind of a smart indie budget type thing. But, it helps. Uh, I mean, to get Leo, I mean, you know, it's going to be about twenty or twenty five million, no matter what. So. You have to. I don't know what they uh, pay. Leo. I don't know what he got paid either. But you know, back end and all that kind of stuff. All all the contract stuff that he would be getting. It. I think. Uh, you know, less crew probably. These days, it doesn't you know, seem. It only but, seems like Leo makes movies that Leo wants. Yeah, to absolutely. Make. No, he doesn't absolutely. like. He doesn't do a paycheck movie. No. Uh, no. Very few. Very few. Because he'll even work with Scorsese. And you know, sort of, you know, even those movies, he'll get a very nice paycheck, but not what he's worth or. What yeah, he, and he'll end he up with can, a back end. I mean, he's ask. making money, but he can he just yeah. does whatever. It seems like he does whatever he yeah. wants. He doesn't have to do a paycheck movie, yeah. um, which I guess is good for him and sometimes bad. I don't know. Um, some know some, some paycheck movies, movies are... turn out to be pretty good. Yeah. Was Titanic a paycheck movie? Probably. It was, or, or, it, I mean, that's where he explodes yeah. and becomes every girl's heartthrob. Right. Uh, and I'd look back at Titanic. I think it's a good movie. I enjoy Tit- Titanic's movie. I've seen a couple of times. Yeah. Trombo, I'll probably never watch again. Absolutely. Uh, Big Short, I have already seen four times. Big Short, uh, I need to see it again. Just uh, so much information. It's just so good. It's so funny and so scary. And it's it's hard to imagine that it's talking about real story, talking about history repeating itself. Um, it's another one of those kind of movies. It's just uh, What is the Big and, Short about? Uh the stock market and just greed, American the fall, greed. the fall of the housing market, right? The American greed, which is different than some countries, but um, yeah, I just it's it's I actually have have had a hard time explaining what the movie is about outside of just saying it's a movie about Wall Street and the housing bubble, you know, the house bubble, and because it's just it's one of the few movies that has really crossed over in uh, drama, you know, drama, comedy, horror. A uh, little bit of everything's in the movie. Uh, amazing acting. I think and, the Globes has it under the category of best comedy. Yeah, picture. which is yeah. yeah, it's which is fine. I mean, it's it's just, well, uh, it's uh, it's not. It's it, the story is very dramatic, but at the same time, it's it's talked about in a very comedic way. I guess it's very uh, lighthearted, but it, at some time, sometimes it's in your face. And then, like, what it's really about. That's when it gets scary. That's when it gets to, oh, my God, I can't believe this actually happened and people are doing this to other people. Um, so that's why I throw in, like, the horror. And I've actually said it to a couple of my friends, and they've agreed. They said it's it's funny that this is one of the scariest movies they've ever seen. It has nothing to do with the horror genre. It's just billions and billions of dollars, thousands and thousands of you know people were affected. Um, so it's pretty scary stuff. But... It, it's. Uh, I thought it was brilliant marketing in that they never even talked about uh, who wrote it or who directed it. It was just like they threw out the the big faces, the, you know, the famous. Yeah, they people. sold it on the stars. So Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell, and you don't know what it's about. And it was you know real quick, good, very well edited. Uh, oh, it's probably know, it's one of the best edited movies I've ever seen. Call it. And uh, so it's just kind of like, what is this movie about? I want to see this movie just because of that. And then you go see it, and you're like, wow, these are some of the biggest comedian names the biggest comic names in the last 20 years are involved in this movie so it was nice that uh he, he didn't make a another anchorman type of movie adam mckay that that's and, who directed the movie is adam mckay so you don't really know it you walk you walk into this movie thinking it's like a scorsese movie or somebody that has more dramatic chops and 
uh, or more of a kind of appeal or, or nobody since they didn't even say who directed or who wrote it. Uh, so sometimes they do that when it's a no name or a first timer type of, you know, person or. Yeah. It, I mean, can you imagine if the posters had said the big short from the guy who brought you Anchorman yeah, and the step brothers, yeah. <laughs> um, it just wouldn't have done as well. I mean, yeah. he was the writer of Ant-Man. Yeah. Which is another, uh, Oscar movie this year. No, it wasn't not. that I didn't think it was very good, but. Yeah. Have you seen Ant-Man? No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, no. So back to the big short. Uh, yeah, Adam McKay, I mean, his career is uh, mostly comedies, uh, funny stuff, the campaign, Get Hard, uh, Tammy, um, Anchorman being the biggest. So uh, if it was marketed that way, I think it would have changed a lot of people yeah. from going to see it. Definitely strange marketing in that in that sense. Uh, Steve Carell is uh his, this is a performance he's fantastic in it but it's, it feels like a modified performance from that uh fox fox trails movie that wrestling fox movie Light. fox, fox catcher fox, fox catcher. catcher from last year or whatever or it was yeah. uh another movie that like you would watch once and never watch again and really was just shit yeah um yeah i'm not a but he looked good catcher. you know with the nose and i really uh commend uh, the makeup artist, because you couldn't even, I mean, some people, I mean, obviously, you know, it was Steve Carell, but it's like, you look at him, you're like, did he break his nose? I mean, that was some serious makeup work and really good acting. It was really strong acting. Unfortunately, it was a two hour and 15 minute movie and it could have been an hour and 20 minutes. I mean, For Foxcatcher, you mean? Yeah. Fox oh. Catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Fox. So much of that was just like, I have no idea what the hell's going on. This is just very slow and I don't know. Yeah. Fox Too much information that was just not necessary. And there was a lot of information so, that, in Foxcatcher that was nothing but lies. Not true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that actually hurt it when you were just like, oh, my God, this is an interesting story, man. I can't believe this happened. And you go online and you just see lists of like 25 things that were wrong about the movie. Yeah. You're and like, that's just really odd because it's an odd story anyway. But why would you add, you know, why would you add things to it? Why would you just completely and totally... The weird thing about Foxcatcher is when you can find like lists of 25 things that are wrong with it. And when you read... Those lists, the true story is so far more fascinating. Yeah, absolutely, and you're like, why the fuck didn't they make yeah. this movie? Yeah. Like the what really they got, happened? They got caught up. They, they just they got caught up in a very there's bizarre shit. Like the uh, in the movie, it's implied that the uh, Foxcatcher Farm, well, that it has that name. Yeah, and that Steve Carell hates horses, hates yes. his mother's horses. The true story is is the name of the farm was something different. And after his mother passed away, he renames it Foxcatcher after one of his father's horses because yeah. he loved his father and he loved the horses. Not that he hated his mother. No. So you're like, I mean, not that that makes a huge difference, but it's like, why lie? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very strange when you're making an actual movie based on a true story. Obviously, it never comes out. The true story is uh, no. I mean, you stretch you the know, truth. Yeah. You make you it. You embellish it. You, it. you make it better. You make it far more entertaining. Not the case in the Foxcatcher. No, no. They Why add, they <laughs> added things and they took things away that just completely and totally took the story it's somewhere like else. People so. sat in a room and they were like, "This is fascinating. How we how do we draw it back?" Yeah. He was uh, he at the end of that movie. He holds himself up in the house for forty eight hours. Uh, and the police to get him out of the house, you know, barricades himself in to get him out of the house, cut off the heat and the dumbass comes out trying to fix the heater. And that's where they capture him. That's what happens in real life. In the movie, he just goes into the house and then he walks right out and then the police catch him. Right. 
And you're like, you could have done a whole fucking two hours on the drama of him being yeah, barricaded just, into the house. Because it was just very bizarre. And a lot of the stuff that he said and a lot of the stuff that he was talking to the cops, all that kind of – very interesting, way more interesting than the movie. Now, so, the, that performance was fantastic. Yeah. And I feel like uh, Big Short is uh, just a twist on oh my that character. It's oh. a, it's unbelievable. The Big Short is just unbelievable when you really sit there and watch it. And, you, and a lot of people like Vince and I and Michael and – and obviously, people in the industry sometimes dissect things sometimes too much, or you know. Whatever. I don't agree with that. Um, but if you really dissect this movie, it'll take you at least four or five viewings, which to me sometimes is a good. That's 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 actually a good thing when you actually watch a movie, you talk about it, you have to see it again for several reasons, and so one of those reasons is you really just want to see. Uh, certain performances, like wow, I mean, Steve Carell is amazing in this. It's like Ryan got all of them. I think I don't think there's a a quote unquote bad performance or a weak performance. I think everybody's on their game because the scripts and the just the direction of the story um, was easily the best this year. Now, um, for me, a lot of things stick out about The Big Short. Uh, there are a lot of things that I could talk about, but one of the things that sticks out the most to me is the editing, or at least that's what I've paid most attention to. I enjoy the performances. I enjoy the story. I you know, was alive during the time of the story, and I could relate to where I was at this point in history and what was going on in my life. Uh, but the approach to assembling that movie to making the the craft between it's not just an editor in the in the big shorts case because you had to have the foresight so the craft between the director and the editor where there are many times they break the fourth wall and the characters the actors start speaking directly to the audience and they make that work seamlessly yeah it's shot with a documentary reality style where cameras are kind of moving around uh it's it's way interesting there's there's a point in the movie where they fudge on the facts, and even though they fudge on the facts in the storyline, one of the characters breaks story or breaks character and speaks to the camera to say, this is not actually how we found the report, which is in the, right. the uh, lobby of the bank. Uh, it was a chase. Uh, this is not actually how we found the report. What we really did was found the report this way. But then they go back to the character so you can just follow along, but yet you still get these facts and you totally accept that, that, okay, that's fine how that how that's going to work. Um, there were some editing techniques in the movie that I did are just not done at all because no. they're wrong. There's a scene between uh, Marissa Torme and Steve Carell where – uh, the angle, the shot is on Carell. Carell is uh, talking. The shot turns to Marissa Torme, and you've got essentially lip flap on Carell. It doesn't match what he's saying, but we're seeing her reaction. And it moves back and forth between these two. Marissa Torme will speak, and then you'll see uh, Steve Carell, and Marissa Torme's lips don't yeah. match. And there's times when she's her lips are moving and he's talking and there's this back and forth that really I need to put on a computer and slow down to, to really dissect what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. To definitely dissect and pay attention to. But, uh, normally I work, I, I edit reality television and lip flap is an absolute no, no, we're we're not allowed to do it any way, shape or form. If someone is speaking, we have to hear them. Uh, so it was fucking amazing. Just fascinating to see this work and it, it works seamlessly. Uh, people who've watched it with me who don't edit just are into the story and don't sit there and they're not all of a sudden confused by it. Right. Um, so there's there's several other editing styles in the movie that are that are Where it can be, as, as, you know, as you're trying to point out, it's like sometimes editing 
it takes you away from a movie because you're just like, that didn't make sense. Why did the cam, you know, the camera moves or somebody does something and it actually messes up your vision. It just messes you up. It's, it's one of those things you're like, what, why did that happen? And in this movie, as Vince is saying, it's like all of this stuff is, should be confusing. It yeah. should be, or if it's done wrong, I mean, in, in a different light or something, I don't know. Um, it, it could be some of these scenes very confusing and like you have to stop and, and rewind. Did I, did I actually see that? And no, it's fluid. It just, it moves in such a way that uh, you're not sitting there confused or with a question mark above your head or a light bulb, like what the hell's going on? It just, it moves in such a, a strange and peculiar and bizarre way. And like you said, it's actually a lot of these scenes are quote unquote wrong, but it works. So it's, it, it I don't know. It's, it's a lot. And that's a lot of fun. To sit there and watch, again, go back all these screeners. There's 80 movies sitting right, well, about 40 movies sitting right in front of me. The audience and, doesn't know you could yeah, say 80. Yeah, of course. Uh, there's about 40 movies, yeah, 40 movies sitting in front of me. And out of these 40, I guarantee you that nothing in the editing world of the big short is in any of these movies. No. Except maybe Mad Max, because Mad Max is just so freaking insane. And they had like eight cameras rolling at the same time. But a movie like that. You, you know that there's going to be screw-ups only because it's such a big movie. But Big Short, it's just like one or two people just sitting there talking. It's a little scene in a bank, and it's three or four people in the bank, and they're talking. And it's just shot in a way that, yeah, it could be very confusing. It could be very, like... There's cool. that scene where Ryan Gosling is uh, narrating to the audience, and the screen goes black. Yeah. And it goes black. It, it doesn't go black, like, on a punctuating word. Yeah. Like, you know, something trying to send the message home where you're expecting black. It goes black in such an odd place that you think your DVD just broke. Right. You wonder, did I just lose picture? What the hell happened? Because he's talking over a, a montage of B-roll, and then all of a sudden, there's just no more B-roll. And in editing, we tend to edit you edit on very specific words. It's kind of hard to explain, but certain words the cut doesn't work at. Or if you cut at the beginning of a word, it seems very – you feel the cuts. Right. So you know, if you say like Mississippi, uh, it's better to cut somewhere on one of the S's than it is on the M, just as an example, or on one of the P's maybe. Uh, so – in this particular scene, he's. I think the word is they that they cut on, which is an odd word to cut on, but they just cut to black, and you're just, you're watching a back, black screen going, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And it's still going. Um, it's and, not like it's a pause or no. even a pause in the movie, or it, it comes. the light comes back on and it's a different scene. You're just like, whoa. And you're not even sure what the point that they were trying to send home, because it's not even like a big message. So... But it, and then it just it just works. It just yeah. insanely. It works keeps your well. attention through the whole movie. It's one of these kind of movies. Uh, to go back to Mad Max again, yet you know, of course, Mad Max is probably my favorite movie of the year. Clearly, year. you've spoken about it at least but, fifty times already. Yes, but movies like that they keep you on the edge of your seat on the action and like what's going on. You know, the violence and you know whatever it is. And this movie, there's very little action. There's very little. You know, there's there is no violence. I don't think in any of the movie. Um, and yet it's, it's keeping on the edge of the seat, edge of your seat, because it's just like, what the hell am I watching? What is going on? It's, it's just filmed in a very interesting new way. So let's talk about Mad Max. Since you've talked about, you've mentioned Mad Max. I already have, so I don't need to talk now. I yeah. saw Mad Max opening, uh, you know, opening day, I think it was, or opening week uh, yes. at the Arclight. And uh, I, 
I don't know. There's, I mean, there's very. There's, I don't. I don't think Mad yeah, Max well, is the best I'm picture a, movie. Oh yeah, but see, I <laughs> I love over the top movies when it works, and this one works. I think it's one of the best over the top films ever created. It's like from start when the lights go out, and it the movie starts all the way to the end to the ending credits. It's just pure insanity, and it's crazy, and it's just so much fun. And you just, uh, I just sat there and I'm like. I didn't want it to end. It's one of those kind of movies. I didn't want it to end. And once it did end, I actually sat there and contemplated. I'm like, do I wait the hour and a half to see it again in this theater where it cost me $18 to see it? Cause it was, you know, a big, you know, I'm, we're in Los Angeles and it was a big screen TV, you know, big screen movie theater, blah, 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 fancy, you know, best sound and all this kind of crap, but it was 18 bucks. And I'm like, I could probably pay another 18 bucks in an hour to see it again. And very few times, big action movies, you know, you know, you don't care. You just you walk out and it's like that was too much action, or who gives a shit? Uh, this movie it was just like, no, I got to see this again. And I've seen it several times. I've seen pieces of it several times. Thank God I get these screeners, you know, through my dad because some of these movies I definitely want to see again and uh, you know and show people. And uh, it's you know it's kind of fun to sit here and have a movie like Hateful Eight. You know, I haven't seen it yet. Um, just waiting for it. But like Hateful Eight is sitting here. I know a lot of people going out and spending 15, 20 bucks to go see it, you know, three, four, five times because they love it so much. And I'm like, oh, well, I have it. Movies, at home. movies like 15 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like, that's, I haven't yeah. seen it yet either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I that's, think that's what I get from Mad Max. Just popcorn, violence, fun, crazy, um, very silly. I mean, all, you know, any of the. Mad Max story is very crazy. We, we don't know what the hell's going to happen in 10 years. We don't know what's going to happen in 50 years. But it's just, uh, I think George Miller and those people in Australia just have a, a good sense of action. You know, just like get get a car moving, uh, get some good-looking people in just weird clothes, and just uh, let them kill each other for almost no apparent reason over water and over oil. And, you know, who gives a shit? But make it fun. And so far, Road Warrior... Uh, was one of the best movies I ever saw in the 80s. It's one of my favorite movies easily of all time. And this one, I don't know if it tops it because it's different with Tom Hardy, but um, it just, I don't know. I, to me, it just kicked ass. And I was like, I sit there, I'm like, I want to see this again. I want my friends to see it. I want my family to see it. And those are the kind of, sometimes those are the kind of movies that should be best picture or at least nominated to me. Well, that that's a good point. Uh, what exactly is best picture? Right. And if best picture is a movie that everybody loves and that you will watch a million times over and enjoy every single time that you watch it, which is probably what best picture should be. Then Mad Max deserves to be nominated for best picture as probably does star Wars, but we'll get to star Wars in a minute. But um, I, I think the best action movie that has ever been made so far is ghost protocol. I think Ghost Protocol is near flawless. Yeah, as far James as an J.J. Abrams and his people uh, are insane. They're I mean, just, they're too good. I had given up on the Mission Impossible franchise completely. Yeah. The Ghost Protocol trailer was so good. I didn't even care about J.J., which I was a Lost fan, but I didn't give a shit about any yeah. of that. I mean, I gave up on the franchise so much. I fucking hated it. I couldn't believe how fucked up those first three movies are. I saw part three for free at a hotel. I was on tour. I used to be in the music industry. I was on tour. And Mission Impossible 3 was on TV. It was free. And I still stopped it. You just sit there and you're like, oh, my God, this is fucking crap. Because when I was a kid, like a little kid, I saw the repeats of the TV show. Yeah. And it's cheesy and it's funny and it's goofy. And it was wild stories and makeup and just like just really weird. And it always had like this sense of like they were kind of like just having fun. 
Like you see the show, you see mm-hmm. the old shows, and there, there was like some fun there. And you see the Mission Impossible movies, there's no fun, there's no pizzazz. It was a bunch of crap. It was so over the top uh, budget wise. And it was just crap. And I'm like, I sat there and watched 10 or 12 minutes of it. I don't even remember how long. And I had to turn it off. I had to fucking change the channel. Part three is the then, one where uh, I think uh, Ethan Hunt, uh, what's, his, what's, the fucking, what's his name? Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise smacks a guy in the face with a motorcycle that's flying through the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the, the different thing is, is like, it was done. I don't know how to exactly explain this, but you sort of touched on it. It was done in such a way that it was not fun. It was supposed to be realistic. Yeah. Like, he really was supposed to smack this guy in the face with a motorcycle, and you're really supposed to believe it, unlike, uh, what is it, uh, Red 2 with uh, Bruce Willis, where he he's racing the car, he opens up the car door, steps out, and starts shooting a guy. Yeah. Um, and when you see that moment in the trailer, you understand its absurdity. Right. And there's plenty it's of other things. It's a cartoon that comes to light. It's basically yeah, just the cartoon. There's plenty of other things in that movie that are absurd and perfectly enjoyable. But for some reason, the way, the style of the Mission Impossible, those first three, you were supposed to accept this as being real. Yeah. And it's so fucking shitty. It's yeah. just, it's not done tongue in cheek, cheesy sort of way. No. Uh, now you go back and you watch them. I haven't seen them in a long time, but. They don't hold up. No. Uh, they, the style feels very dated. The language is very dated. Mm-hmm. The, the stuff that they're doing and you know the espionage or whatever that they're trying to crack is yeah. very dated. Um, then you get to Ghost Protocol, and that trailer is so insanely good. And then you watch the movie, and still, when he's hanging off of the building in Dubai, it's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, this year is Rogue Nation, which is we have a screener for. Um, I don't know. Have you seen Rogue Nation? I, seen I, I want to. It's one of those. It's in the box here. Yeah, not as good as uh, Ghost Protocol. I wouldn't call it, you know, even the second best action movie. It's still an enjoyable flick. Uh, in this one, he hangs off of the side of an airplane. Yeah, um, obviously in the commercial. In the, it's in the commercial. Yeah. And thankfully, probably the, one of the best things they did, that's in the commercial. It's amazing. That is the first three minutes of the movie. Like, they just get it out of the way, which is great because you would be sitting there the entire movie going, all right, when's he going to hang out of the fucking right. plane? Yeah. So uh, I thought that was brilliant, too. They made a movie. They they had this fantastic set piece up front, and they just put that set piece out as a trailer. How fucking brilliant is that? Um, people come in and they sit down. They know what to expect. I hate, hate in any movie when you know what the movie's about and you still need to suffer through the first 30 minutes to fucking get there. Yeah. Oh, to absolutely. be like, you know, we know that this movie of Mad Max, uh, which is, I don't, they, they didn't do fuck this up. Um, but Mad Max is a story about, you know, typically is a story about gas and the importance of gas and uh, going on a chase. And you sit down for Mad Max and it, it feels like you're, within five minutes or 10 minutes on that chase. I don't know if it is that quick, Yeah, but uh, you are on the run very quickly. Uh, So to know that from the trailer and then to sit there for 30 minutes to be spoon fed backstory before you go on the race would be annoying. I just watched the walk last night. I know you haven't seen it yet because uh, the images and the height and stuff would scare you. Um, I had seen Man on Wire, yeah, and not Man on a Wire, the yeah, documentary, Man wire. 2008 documentary. Man on Wire. Have you seen that? Yes, phenomenal, yeah. absolutely phenomenal superb. documentary. It's a great story. the The way that that documentary is assembled is fantastic. Um, the man, uh, the walk is a 
fictionalized, it's not fictionalized, a, a Hollywood version of that documentary. Fictional film, I guess, nonfiction film. What the fuck is that? What happens when you turn a documentary into a feature? <laughs> what do you call that? Um, anyway, it's uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who I love, but uh, he did Back to the Future, so obviously I'm going to love him. Uh, but he's behind Image Movers, who did Polar Express. And that style of surrealism of Polar Express or Hugo is kind of in The Walk. Mm. But the first hour of The Walk, for me, was insanely boring because mm. I already knew the story. And I feel like most people, if you've seen the trailer, you know that the cable gets strung between the two buildings and he steps out on it. So why do we have to waste a fucking hour to get to him stepping out on it? Yeah. And I know that you, if you just put him walking, you know, in frame one, then what are you going to have two hours of him walking? I, I get that part. So the challenge there is that first hour needs to be hardcore about, you know, this guy's life and his backstory. And you really need to invest in him and a love interest and all of that, which they tried at. My problem is, is the movie has, uh, is, is narrated the entire time by, uh, ah, what's his name? The lead actor. Jordan? No. It's he? The lead actor. He plays Philippe. Joseph Gordon. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Joseph Gordon lead it. Um, and there's another thing. The entire time he's doing a French accent and he still oh, okay. looks like Joseph Gordon leave it. Yeah. And he sounds weird being French. So that was off putting for me the entire time. But he narrates. They keep going back to him in footage of him, obviously shot in a studio with, well, it has to be shot in a studio because it has a beautiful background of the New York skyline that Mm -hmm. includes the two towers, which aren't there. So, uh, and it just has this whole surreal Polar Express kind Mm -hmm. of look to it that annoyed the fuck out of me. I hated his narration, I hated that look. And I was bored with the story. An hour in, though, when he takes a step out onto that wire, fucking riveting. Yeah. Like, I just, I was cringing in my chair. And I know. I, it's all special effects. And I you know, know he's, he's two feet like, off the ground. <laughs> like, he, that, yeah. he's not falling. No. But uh, done so well that that last hour is so fantastic. You just cringe and you're afraid to fall. And it's just, it was really well made as far as that. Anyway. Mad Max. Mad Max, to me, is an update of The Road Warrior, which mm-hmm. I think was a fantastic movie yeah. way back when and broke a lot of ground back then. And Mad Max Today, which uh, originally was supposed to be shown in black and white. Yeah, it's coming back out in black and white in uh, some theaters. I don't so. agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I thought it looked... It's, I thought It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's interesting. I don't know if I'll see it in black and white, only because the visuals, even though some of it is CGI'd in, some of it is you know special effects... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I enjoyed so much about the Road Warrior, and what I so, enjoyed so much about Mad Max Fury Road, the new one, is the visuals. Is that that desert that just uh, maybe in black and white it makes it more uh, uh, bleak, you know? And that's what the, he's trying to convince you that the, this world is bleak and there's nothing there. Uh, so maybe it might work in black and white. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, since we haven't seen it, um, but I do like the visuals. I do like getting in those cars going. 250 miles an hour in the desert um and you and you just you look out and there's nothing around and it's it's one of those oh my god you really are there's no humans um so black and white who knows now when i walked out of a mad max i one of the first things i commented on was it was a beautiful film 
It, yeah. it that looked That's absolutely I mean. beautiful. And the weird thing is, is I dabble in color correction mm. and the blue and yellow tones that are used in the movie are probably the easiest color effect to apply to anything. And I often see it used in movies to make things look more beautiful. Right. Um, it is a cheesy, simple color trick. And I know that. And I, I knew that going in. Yet the in two hours that I sit there watching it and watching these beautiful, you know, fucking crushed dark blacks, beautiful yellow tones and blue tones just painted across the screen. It was gorgeous. It yeah. looked ab- I walked out still impressed. Yeah. Even though this is one of those cases where like, you know how the magi- magician does the trick, but you still watch the magician, a magician do it really well. Really well. And you're right. impressed. Yeah. And I guess that was kind of it is I, I know the trick of the, you know, warm blue, yellow tones, but uh, it's, it still looked beautiful. I feel like that movie would be dog shit in black and yeah, white. That's what I'm saying. I have no idea. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, but, now, in our minds, we invent color. Like, uh, I know that Clerks is in black and white. I know that, you know, Miracle on 34th Street's in black and white. But I know what Santa Claus, you know, his suit looks like. And I know what, you know, a convenience store looks like. So oftentimes when you're remembering these black and white episodes or black and white shows, movies, uh, you see them in color because right. you, you, you paint you it. Things. Yeah, yeah, you, you paint it. Yep. So I guess that would be interesting. Maybe to present it in black and white and then let the audience you know, visualize whatever they wanted to from it. Yeah. But I, I just, yeah, the visual uh, artists that worked on this, I mean, the, the special effects just, it, it was amazing. It was just truly amazing. Especially when, I, like me, I'm like a mega fan. So I'm like, I actually went online and, and uh, learned how they did some of these scenes and like where they did some of these scenes. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh my God, they're like, they're not even close to a mountain. All of that was like added in. And, and you just sit there and you're like, they're out in the middle of nowhere. And yet some of these scenes are very Star Wars-esque in that they're going through these grooves, these mountains, and going into the mountains and, and all this you know uh, uh, crazy stunt work and all this. And they're out in the middle of nowhere and going two miles an hour. The car's going you know, two miles an hour, five miles an hour. So just the special effects and the, the scenery, just spectacular. I'm glad you mentioned that yeah. <clears throat> because this is a weird line. Watching <laughs> Mad Max... I know that Australia is like 90% desert. Yeah. And I just assumed all of those locations were legit, that they were everywhere that they were and just shooting. And then I too looked online (laughs) and saw those mountains that were CGI'd in. There was some things that were just straight out done on sound stages. Ironically, some of those mountains are there. They just couldn't film the way he wanted to film and the way the speed that they were going. They, they couldn't do it for safety reasons, obviously, but they just couldn't get can- they could not get that crew through some of these mountain ranges. So they actually just added it in afterwards. See, part of me says, so, why? Why go yeah. through all this trouble? And then the other part of me says, no one is going to recognize us. The average viewer is going right. to watch this and just assume that this is what Australia looks like. Right. Absolutely. And like none of those landscapes were CGI'd in. Yeah. And I think that does the movie a bit of a disservice because sometimes it does. Yeah. People, the average viewer just doesn't just goes, oh, they just went out in the Australian outback and shot. Yeah. And it looks that way. Mm. Unlike back to the walk, you know, we all know those towers aren't there anymore. So watching him walk between two towers that don't exist and you believe at that point, you believe that those towers are there. That's the weird thing about the movie. Some of the movie looks, you know, like 
real every day, and some of it has that image movers, Polar Express feel, not all of it. When he's walking between the two towers in that last hour, aside from the narration, it looks pretty legit. Mm. I mean, there's some stuff that, you know, you know, you know, it's fake. Obviously, you know, it's fake. The towers aren't there. Anyway, you can be impressed. The average viewer will watch the walk and go, oh, my God, that's amazing. Those towers are I know those towers aren't there. But the average viewer is going to watch Mad Max and go, well, they just you could just take a camcorder and go right. out in the outback and shoot. <laughs> And there's nothing there, so of course you can drive a car, you know, a hundred miles an hour and right. flip it. Who gives a shit? You're in the <laughs> middle of the desert. Right. I mean, we do that here in America, out at the salt flats, which isn't as vast as Australia is. So, I mean, even though I realize this and I know this, I even myself tend to underappreciate the effort that went into oh, yeah. that. Um, you know, and I discount the color and. For for me, Mad Max, I enjoyed it. I'll watch it. I've watched it twice. I watched it in the theater. I watched it here at home. I'll watch it again in my lifetime, probably a few more times. I don't know how many. At least I've seen pieces Ma- of it. Yeah, I've seen Mad it. Max a dozen or yeah. more times. Because at least it's like some scenes. It, it not necessarily the whole movie, but you know, if you you know if you have it on your computer or whatever, and you're like, well, the next time the the yeah. next installment of Mad Max will probably get me to watch this, this one, one again, right. and then that one. Right, that tends to happen. Because it's crazy. He's going to make two more, and you're just like, I'm, I can't wait. You yeah, know, see, well, see what's it's next. A, it's a cash cow. I mean, yeah. you should make more, and it's easy. This is the other fantastic thing about yeah. Mad Max. Now, we haven't talked about. And I, in my mind, I always think about this and I relate it to it so much. I feel that Mad Max is a well-made death proof. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Death proof was part of the Grindhouse movie that Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino did. Um, and it was called Grindhouse. And uh, Robert's movie was Planet, Planet Terror. Planet Terror. Uh, of the two movies that ran back to back, Planet Terror is a better movie yes. than uh, uh, death proof death proof is just really a scene right but when you watch mad max for the most part the new mad max it's mostly just a scene yeah, absolutely it is but in that scene they managed to actually build a three-act story uh you know we need gas but someone has a uh a another a, a, an ulterior motive they have a they have something else that they want to do on their gas run and we learn why and we invest in that character, but they're still really on a gas run or actually now it's the sidetracked run. And then they're veering off course and it becomes this big chase. Then you get to what feels like five minutes in the middle of the movie where they have a conversation and basically yeah. go, we fucked oh, up. Way, right. <laughs> we have to go back to where we came from right. to fix this. And then you have like an hour chase scene back to where you came from. Um, and there's some confusing shit in the movie. Like, I don't understand why the other warlords, I guess, are participating, trying to help this warlord. Yeah. Um, well, but you well, don't we'll care. Have to see the sequels. So, you, you yeah, you don't care. But you, yeah. I sit there and I go, well, why? Yeah. How did they all convene? And like, how far away do they live right. that they can make it to this point? Like, you start thinking logistically about all of this. And at the moment when you're trying to make logical sense out of this, something really fucking cool blows up and you just go, I don't oh, care. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. You know, a guy's playing the guitar. A guy's playing. Fire, fire's coming out of it. And you're like, right. what the fuck? And you're like, I don't know, but that's awesome. Back, right. So back to, to the most ridiculous that. things. So, there, yeah. There are stacks of, yeah. of speakers hanging off For of the no front of your. For no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And, and you're just like, that's insane. 
So. And the the assignment of steering wheels and the the spray the silver spray paint on mouths, I mean, it harkens back to the the sixties and seventies when really good music was made because artists did a lot of hallucinogenic oh, yeah, drugs. drugs. Oh yeah, a lot of not lot just of a lot of drugs. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, well, for a moment to touch on music, like I feel that there has been little to no innovation in music in the past couple of decades because of a lack of a hallucinogenic drug. Absolutely. I agree. Like, we made our way into cocaine, which is a speed, or marijuana, which is, you know, uh, was up a downer. Um, and people on coke and on speed don't fucking think of Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds or, or fucking uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, which was about weed, but... Um, they don't think in these terms. No. So music today is sung in just a very matter of fact. You know, I like big butts and I cannot lie. Or uh, baby, baby, baby. Um, don't ask me because I don't know any of the popular shit and I don't care. Well, you know, but it, you, it's two beats. It's you know beats. you know, big butts. Well, of course. Which then got made, remade in Anaconda, which again is just no. matter of fact. Um, you know, and that's not to necessarily knock on today's music. I love today's music. Um, but... Uh, Mad Max feels like all of this shit, like someone was fucking on peyote or shrooms and just going, what if they spray silver fucking paint on their mouths? Yeah. Which silver paint wouldn't translate in a black and white movie. So maybe that doesn't make much sense. They might do something to it, you know, special effects wise to make it more color or I, more color to silver I don't know. no 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 i mean in, like in the black and white might <laughs> saturate maybe, like, the silver maybe, uh, you won't see their mouths maybe you know i don't know it'll completely black them out somehow and black, who knows but yeah um so that's that's where really mad max there's so much ridiculous shit that happens that's what I mean. and there's Over stuff the that doesn't make yeah. sense in the story but you just don't care because you're just enjoying it which takes us to star wars the force awakens what did you think of Star Wars? I loved it. I got I got a kick out of uh, the, the opening credits. You know, I almost teared up. It, it just it, it it brought me back to 1977, like when I was a kid. I was seven years old, and my dad took me out of school. Like you know, I do have the coolest dad in the world. Sometimes I think not sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm pretty sure I have the coolest fucking dad in the world. I was seven years old, and he took me out of school, and he took my sister out of school, and we went to see Star Wars, like a matinee show of Star Wars. We didn't even know what we were doing. He's just like, we're leaving, and we're like, oh, awesome. We're leaving school. This is cool. Mm-hmm. And then, like, holy shit, we're going to go see Star Wars. And, of course, both of us freaked out, and we saw it twice that day. You had wanted to see it up to that point? You yeah. You knew it was it, coming? It was, it, was one of those th- it was one of those things where even uh, commercials back then, it was just like one of those movies where, ooh, this looks this looks kind of cool. Even at seven years old, you're like, this kind of looks fun. Mm-hmm. And then you go see the movie, and you're like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Um so anyway, the opening credits to the new Star Wars Force Awakens uh, brought me right back to that. Just boom. And then throughout the movie, just like these little hints, these little droplets of uh, the past. You know, you know Han Solo, of course. You know, the, the first time you see Chewbacca, I, I swear to God, I cried. Like mm-hmm. tears were coming out. It was just like, holy shit, this is so awesome. And the way that they were presented, it was still Chewie and Han. It wasn't like something new. It wasn't mm-hmm. something different. It was like wow, this is literally just 30 years later. Mm-hmm. This is their same characters. And it was just so much fun. And you sit there, um, great movie, great action, a lot of fun. It was just another one of those movies like, I really liked it. Of course, people are going to nitpick. People read all this. I don't read any of the stories. I don't read any of the comics. I don't really give a shit about any of that. Uh, I don't care about the toys. There's toys right in front of me. 
I sell these toys for a living. This is like a part of my job. If you want a Vader Darth, is on my desk. If, if you want a Darth Vader toy, trust me, I will find the best Darth Vader toy for you and sell it at a good price. But I don't really give a shit about any of his story, backstory, future story. I just want good, solid, fun storytelling. And this movie, literally every second of the movie, I thought it was J.J. Abrams at his best, making a fun story, making you interested in the next scene, completely and totally annihilating and erasing the last three pieces of shit movies that <laughs> came out uh, that everybody, you know, loved and dissected and hated, blah, 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 blah. And you just sit there and you're like, of course people are going to dissect. Of course people are going to nitpick. But when you start nitpicking and everything, you're like, no, this is a good movie. This is a fun movie. You sit there, you, you walk out of there, uh, you just, you got your money's worth. You walked away and you're like, holy shit. Um, some, I mean, some of the action was just just phenomenal yet again just jj abrams his team his people his editors his special effects crews are bar none the best out there because loss was amazing um he redid star trek uh the super eight movie you just sit there and you're like take these simple stories or these simple characters and just make you believe in them almost immediately Mm -hmm. like you walk into that stormtrooper's head uh he takes that helmet off and for the first time, boom, you're just sitting there like, what would these stormtroopers think? You know, and you're like, holy shit, that's a good idea. And you just you run with it. And some people hate it. Some people this, some people that I don't really give a shit to me. Absolutely superb. And uh, and kick ass acting on top of that. It wasn't like, you know, these people took these masks off and oh, shit, we don't have to act because it's a Star Wars movie. You know, they actually kicked ass. I thought they did an you know, incredible job. You know, on top of that. So he took that mask off. Obviously, that actor, I liked uh, Attack the Block, which maybe 200 people in America actually saw. But Attack the Block was one of those science fiction, weird, horror monster movies that was superb. It's a UK movie where uh, a bunch of kids, a group of kids have to save the world from some aliens. or or, Aliens are attacking. I haven't seen it in a while. And it's the shittiest part of London. And uh, anyway, that actor... He's the stormtrooper uh, that takes his helmet off. I don't even know his name in the movie because I, I forgot already. Oh, is it the same? Uh, the black kid. Uh, Finn. Finn. There Finn. you go. So Finn. Finn um, so already going in with the trailers, like, oh, cool. He's going to be in it. Oh, this is going to, you know, I'd go see it for that because I'm like, attack the block. He was freaking awesome in that movie. Uh, obviously, you're going to see it because it's a Star Wars movie anyway. Um, so anyway, J.J. Abrams did a kick-ass job. Uh, every, every, to me, every scene was amazing and mm-hmm. you just sit there and you're like that's pretty hard to do in this day and age with that much money especially if you had like 400 million dollars you know to sit there and you just sit there like god how many people would have 400 million dollars to make a movie so many of those big movies fuck up uh this movie not one to me not one minute of that movie is wasted you know it's like that's a to me that's a damn good movie that's a good damn good time you spend 15 or 20 bucks you're gonna get your money's worth so for me in 1978, my dad did not take me out of school. Uh, I actually did not see the movie in 1978. 77? 77, yeah, 1977. Uh, I'll nitpick for all the okay. Star Wars people. And uh, back then, video VHS did not exist, mm. and movies were not played on television. And once a movie did its theatrical run, that was it. So I actually didn't see Star Wars until like 82 wow. when VHS finally Started comes about yeah. and it's, you can rent it, rent it and see it. Uh, I did not become, I did not own a single Star Wars figure <laughs> until 
you know, my 40s <laughs> until oh, wow. <laughs> recently yeah. when I actually bought Darth Vader. Uh, and the reason that I have Darth Vader is very silly. I was looking for the right size Vader head so I could cut it off of an action figure and put it on my mixer so I could turn his head as a knob because he's my Darth Vader. Get it? Fader, Darth Vader. That's what I'm working with, kids. It's my Darth Vader over here. That's what I'm dealing with. It's my little head. So I I bought three different (laughs) ones from Amazon and the medium size fit. So the other two are sitting on my desk. Um, But I wasn't crazy for all of that sort of stuff. As a kid, I loved the the first three movies. Um, Most people feel that you straight across the board that Empire is the best movie. I've always felt that A New Hope is the best movie. And then I like Return of the Jedi. And then it's Empire. Yeah. Um, I think Empire is the least of the three, but so many agree. people love Empire. Okay, we're on podcast, people. This is probably <laughs> the third or fourth time that Vince and I are agreeing on something, and it's very scary. I have to actually notch this up on a fucking calendar, you know, with the time. Because, Return of the Jedi is because Return of the Jedi is so much so fun. much fun. Yeah. It's there's a lot there's yeah. just a lot of action. There's a lot but going again, on. The Ewoks and something fun and something interesting and and I thought the I mean the Ewoks when they get their own movie are horrendous, but the Ewoks oh, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Well, they were fun. They yeah. were fine. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, to, to Phantom Menace, it wasn't an annoying Jar Jar Binks. You weren't annoyed by these Ewoks. They were cute and they were there and whatever. But um, uh, there is – I can appreciate why people like Empire. There's a lot of really cool shit in Empire. Mm-hmm. There's Yoda and there's uh, Jabba and there's the fucking At-At and stuff like that. There's a lot of cool stuff in yeah. Empire that gets introduced. Um, so but I, it's really, really sci-fi. It's, it's a, out of the three. That one to me is like the real sci-fi, where it's like the it's really kind of just slowed down, and they show a character, and they kind of just run with it. To me, they just run with those characters a little long. You just like I love Yoda, but I don't want to sit there for forty-five minutes listening to him talk about almost nothing out in the middle yeah, of the water. See, I can and agree. then some people love that. They're like, oh my god, but that's how Yoda was. And I'm like, okay, I'll take him for a couple minutes here and there, and. You know, and it's fun, and he's cute, and I love the way he talks, but... Empire always does feel a little long to me. Yeah, it's just some of these sequences. You're just like, okay, we get it. But there's Dude. a lot I love. Leia, it's the one where Leia's in a bikini. It's the one where no, Han is... three. Is it Isn't three? It? Yeah, that's three when she was... Oh, Java. because it's the beginning of three. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, and then... Java. So, anyway. So, wait yeah. a minute. Is Han frozen in carbonite in two or in three? When the do end we of see two. It? It's the end of, do we see him in Carbonite in 2? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I haven't seen it in first. Because the other problem for me is for decades. So there you go. Star Wars people, don't worry about it, you know. But when I, because when I watch, if I, it's not like I'll sit down and just watch A New Hope. I will no. watch A New Hope, followed by Empire, followed by Return of the Jedi. Yeah. We'll set aside a day and yeah. we're going to spend the next nine hours with Star Wars. I haven't Star done Wars, that in a few food, years. And, and also talking about it. I mean, that's. You know, to me, that's that's what this podcast is all about, too, is like actually sitting there talking about movies. A lot, not a lot of people do that, really, or they'll talk about it for a few minutes or whatever after a movie um, or say, something, oh, yeah, it was a really good movie to your friends. Uh, sometimes you really have to dissect movies. And if a movie makes you think and makes you want to talk about it, you know, that's what's cool. And I think the Star Wars movies, you know, they really do that because 1977, that was like a long time ago. <laughs> Literally, wait a, a long time ago. For we were movies. just talking about our history was a blink no, 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 of an no, eye. No, 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 no. but it's like that was you know thirty, almost thirty years ago, and we're still talking about it today. And mm-hmm. and that's the kind of movie that you know Mad Max Fury wrote. Are we going to talk about it in thirty years? Who knows? We don't. Obviously, we don't know that yet. But Star Wars, you see that movie, and you're like, this is a special movie. We're going to be talking about this forever. But a new hope. 
has been, and I'm not just talking about Lucas fucking with them, a new hope has been updated. It's been color corrected and finished and polished sound wise. You can go on to YouTube and you can watch the original trailers, which used to only be available on Laserdisc. And the original trailers for those three movies look horrendous. You would not watch that piece of shit. Like it is so unpolished, sounds so bad. It just, it's, it's an indie film, which a new hope was an indie film. Uh, And for budding filmmakers who, if you've never seen the trailer for a new hope or the unpolished trailer for the new hope, the real movie, like the um, real, yeah, the real deal. It's fucking bad. Like it is not, there's no way, there's no way I would sit through that movie today. Um, but as it's for clean, fun, for fun, but not like the whole movie. Like I you don't watch know. it, like, that's a that's you, an almost a mystery like, science theater yeah. sort of fun thing. Yeah, you just sit there for twenty thirty minutes. You're like, okay, never mind. We got to watch the real. You know, we got to watch the, the updated, updated version yeah. with the you know the correct sound design yeah. and the correct picture and color and all of that. And it's funny that there are purists out there who get mad at J or at, not JJ at George for fucking with them because he added some he things added and changed up, a yeah. few things. But those same purists don't get mad about you know the color and technology of it being updated because. That's preservation. No, that's fucking with it. Yeah. That is because you could it's say change, Miracle on 34th Street is preservation when they colorize it. And that pissed a bunch of people off, the too. They changed the, the vision of the movie. Yeah. Now, the stuff that George does add, uh, I thought made it better. You know, it, mm-hmm. the the few scenes here or there that made the story flow a little bit better. And it was fine with me because it's all about the story. So. In the in the early '80s, I see Star Wars, and then of course, followed by Empire, and then Return of the Jedi comes out, um, and I you know see Return of the Jedi. It was about I guess I saw all three movies probably within the year that Jedi comes out, which is what eighty four, eighty three. Okay, so somewhere around eighty two, eighty three. I'm you know ten years old or nine years old, something like that. Um, so then at that point, uh, or so that's or whatever. Moving on, a Phantom Menace. So Phantom Menace comes out, you know, everybody's got to go see it. It makes a ton of money. Go to the theater to see it. And um, most people, well, I guess not most people. If you remember at that time, there were two groups of people. There were people who were just like, I guess three groups. There were people who were just like, that shit. There were people who were just like, what the fuck? And there were people who were just like, well, just wait. It's going to go somewhere. absolutely. And that were praying, that had their fingers crossed. And I remember- George Lucas has told us. That you know the next movie is going to be, and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't care. Yeah, I remember going. That was because really... Lucas promised us three more movies, and it's going to get better. And you're like, that's kind of sad. You don't really want to say that about a movie. You don't want to say it about uh, about anything that you really like. No, the next one will be better. It's like, well, what happened to this one? It's like I just sat there for two and a half hours. What happened here? So, yeah. My feeling on yeah. the prequels is that Lucas was infallible and is infallible. Mm. And there was in when A New Hope was being made, uh, uh, Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher could walk up to George and say, I don't think this line is correct. I don't think this is the right line reading, or I think my character would say it this way. Uh, and to a director, while it's very annoying to get actors' input, uh, it does ultimately oftentimes make the movie better. Right. And for the prequels, none of those kids who are making that movie, and I guess kid, really, Hayden Christensen, who really gets shit on, because he's in the movie called Life as a House, or Life as a House. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's in really, it. really good. He's fantastic really, really good. in it. And then his career comes the, to the, a... the glass movie, Shattered Glass. It was I don't know that one. Yeah, the, uh, the, the based on the true story, the news reporter that just completely and totally made up stories. His career essentially becomes shattered because he's Anakin in the sequ- in the prequels, because he's so fucking bad. Yeah. 
and so whiny and annoying. And this poor kid couldn't walk up to Lucas and say, I don't think no. my character would say it this way. And because they would have fired him in like three seconds and had 15 other people, which would have been know. probably been better for his career. Yeah. Uh, the other actors who participated in that movie, like Liam Neeson and uh, um, Samuel Sam Jackson, and yeah, they were well seasoned actors at that point that uh, they could form. I believe they could form their character into uh, something without having to talk to George about it, and that comes out on screen because the only performance that you have a problem with in the prequels is Anakin's. Everybody else is yeah. fine as far as and acting kid, goes. and a little kid in the first one. I, I, yeah, but he's also a little same. kid, so yeah. you give him you give him the benefit no, 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 of the no, doubt because he's a little kid. But people but, are like pointing at him, and you're like, dude, he's like ten. Yeah, he, he, he does a great do? job. You know. Um. So, but even aside from that, the this yeah, the story is terrible. I didn't hate Jar Jar in the first movie. As when I walked out of the theater, I wasn't like, oh, he he really took it away from me. I knew that they needed to sell toys. Yeah. And whatever, it's fine. He was cute and he was there to, to sell a plushie and that's fine. Um, many people obviously hated Jar Jar. And looking back now, uh, yeah, Jar Jar is annoying. On, on a second viewing, it's no bueno. Uh, but I kept hoping. I was like, I hope this goes somewhere. I hope there's somewhere that this story is going to go. For the most part, uh, didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't go it's anywhere. And given time, when I look back on the Phantom Menace, it's such a shitty movie, just filled with flaws. Yeah. Like sometimes they have super speed, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they need this vehicle to swim underwater. Sometimes they just put this apparatus on their nose to swim underwater. Um, and that may sound trivial, but like the super speed thing. If you there's a scene where they run out of a room at, at like light speed. If you can do that. You can get out of every fucking situation yeah. you're in. And that, like, there's no foresight into right. how this is going to be used in the future. Then comes Attack of the Clones. And Attack of the Clones has the really cool, is it? I think it's Attack of the Clones, has the really cool speedster scene in it. It's the only thing that's good about it is the little kid no, racing. No, that's the first one. Is it the first one? Yeah. Okay, that's the only thing good about the first one. I remember that <laughs> that speedster scene is badass. Yeah, because remember, like, they build up to it in, like, the, the last 20 Is that what that is, yeah. the last part? Okay. So he has to do it and win, and no, nah, who knows. Yeah. Uh, that speedster scene is badass. So then Clones has nothing good about it, and but you're just hoping. And at that point, you're already invested in both of those movies that I had decided these movies were shit, but I was going to go see Revenge of the Sith because I I have Again, to connect we're it. All, we're I have all, to finish it. Like, we're all promised also by that small group of, no, really, the next movie is going to be better. And the only thing in Revenge of the Sith that is good is the moment that Vader comes alive, right. that Vader comes up. That, that's all that's good about that movie. And that's what you've been waiting for for three movies. So right, it's like nine hours. There's, there's a nice buildup, but at the same time, you're like, uh, three, three movies. Right, which no. was probably... No, too much. That's probably the big mistake of those movies, and this goes back to what I was saying about The Walk, is we know where this is going, just get there. Really, part one, Vader should have been born. Like, Oh, anything, yeah. I mean, you can go back and... Those three movies are very, very easy to nitpick, you know, go through yeah. and just say, not just what's, quote, unquote, what's wrong with it, a lot of it is just, this could have or should have happened. And like that's just like... This could have, but story wise, so, yeah. I mean, what like we the were three movies could have been, should have only been two, if that. What we you know, wanted so, to know was the birth of Vader. Right. You could have had you, you could have told the birth of Vader, seeing Vader do horrible things and flashing back to his childhood. Anything, yeah. 
would have worked way, way, and it would have put us in the realm of today. Now, the other annoying thing that I think that I know that a lot of people had with the first three, the prequels, they looked so much more futuristic than uh, the original three, the new hope and part four, five and six. And it was like, well, how is all this technology so much better than what we're going to end up in? Abrams, I think in uh, the new star Wars movie did a fantastic job when he flashed back to the other planets showing that, there was different planets with different technologies. Absolutely. And he and very quickly, very quickly made the nod to it, the prequels go, and yeah. included the prequels in to make them part of the Star Wars world. We don't go to that world for 20 minutes. It, it, no. We went there for two minutes. And you're right. like, this is the way it's done. Right. And which then said, okay, so it's like uh, the second three are in a third world country and the first three are in, you know, the most advanced country in the world is basically sort of why that technology is different. Um, So I dug that about the most recent movie. Now, the most recent movie, I walked in the theater. I saw it. I agree with you. I have the same feelings. I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was a wonderful movie. There was never a point I was bored. I was constantly entertained. I will watch that movie again and again and again and again. But when I walked out... There's always a point. No, I think you'll agree with me. When I walked out of the theater, um, it's really... It's not a great movie. No, 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 no. It's it's very familiar. Mm-hmm. It's a retelling of yeah, you know uh, four, five, and six. There's what they did. What he did was repackaged four, five, and six and spoon fed it to a new audience. Absolutely, and refed it to an old audience. That that's what they wanted. Well, that's anyway. why I teared up. I saw the older characters. You know the Han Solos and and those things, and I tear up in like the memories of the you know the seventies movies, and but then you know technology of today. So I mean, he definitely updated it. I you know he just he did it in a very uh, uh, special way. I just like I walked out of there. I'm like I felt like wow, he really really got it. He really there was a really good feel to the movie. He did exactly what horror filmmakers have done for years on their sequels. Yeah, they just remade the first. Yeah which most people walk out of the theater and go, that was terrible. And then years later, you usually watch it you know, on video and go, oh, but it's more of the same. It's just a retelling. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. This time, Jason comes alive from whatever. Right. <laughs> In this case, instead of people watching it, uh, reliving it at home on video, they were reliving it in a the theater, yeah. or currently reliving it in a the theater. But that's all it is, is a retelling of yeah. those. Like there was nothing new in these movies. Right. So again, I mean, you know, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? So he went that he went that route very, and but he did it in a very good way. To but me, I, I think they have smart. to fix it in the next movie. No, no, no I mean, I think like they've, yeah, they've I think there's going to be some big. They've won their some, audience back. Yeah. They've, they've obviously, and and I think this is still this is a smart business. And they probably sat in a room and said, "We need to basically remake these three, but not call it a remake and introduce new characters because Mark Hamill is too old and Han Solo is too old, and you know Carrie Fisher. So we need to bring a whole new world without it being a remake." And it's not a remake, but it is a remake. So the next movie they have to build on. The next movie can't be just you know a, a remake of the rest of Empire, Empire and or, right. Uh, well, because this is really a New Hope and a little bit of Empire, right? And I guess a little bit of. I mean, it's uh, a little revenge. bit of you know, it's yeah. a little bit of all, and that's yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, the the next movie is really going to be the one that tells. Does it build? Does it continue with this world? 
I think the key to that is that we stay in the third world country. We don't go into anything. Mm. You know, we stay mm. in the world and you of give little, deserts and, and you give greenery. little snippets of what's going on. In the but they can't build and, another fucking Death Star. No, 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 I mean, but you give little snippets of, you know, the like you said, the technology. It's like you're in the desert. Right. Uh, you guys are scrap, you know, literally scrap hunters or whatever they right. call them. And every once in a while, you'll see whatever the evil people are making. What are they every doing? Every once in a while, you'll see, you know, what the good guys are doing. What do the bad guys stuff. do in the next movie, though? Who they know? can't build another Death Star. Who knows? There probably will be. I, I don't know. I <laughs> don't how many know. Death Stars can you... Right now, right now, it's like, I don't know. I don't care. I will see it. So it's like, it's already like in my head in what, two or three summers, I'm going to go. Two, I think he. It's two, yeah, I think it's seventeen. Yeah. yeah, I think it's seventeen. So it's like every two years now, there's going to be another one, and I'm like, I'll be going with anticipation, not aggravation, like the last three, where it's just like the last three, you're like, okay, I guess I'll go see the next one. I want to see what happens. Right. I already, I invested two. I'm hours invested. In, I got it. Yeah. Well, I invested two and a half hours, and I got to go see what the hell happens. Yeah, that's true. This and one, this one, you're just like, I want to see what happens to these two. I want to see what happens here. I want to see. I want to see more of this, mm-hmm. not more of the same necessarily like you were saying, but I definitely want to see more. And uh, that's, you know, and, and again, like even with Star Trek, I mean, I know that's, you know, it's a different world and Trekkies versus Star Wars and all that crap. But J.J. Abrams did something like that with Star Trek. You know, he brought a whole generation, you know, back up to the Star Trek thing. And to he did the same thing with that. It's very much the same story, but it was just, you know, I mean, he got con. And in and, and some of these stories that have already been filmed and, and TV and movie, and he just did something to it. He tweaked a little bit. He gave it a little punch. And you want to go see these movies again. That's interesting because so. Star Wars uh, or Star Trek, we see Kirk as a kid. Yeah. Which I I was trying to re-explain what to do, what it should have been done with Phantom Menace. But we do we do live with Star with uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, we do live with Kirk as a kid in those two movies. Uh, I don't know what the third movie is going to be yet, but um, and we enjoy them. So maybe uh, maybe Chris Pine should have been cast as Anakin, and that would have solved all of the problems for the Phantom Menace. There you go. Um, but then you know that I guess that would have been J.J. Abrams doing, and not George Lucas's. There doing. you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So this feels like a good place to end the yet unnamed podcast about unnamed uh, podcast uh, part one was uh, pretty good. It's do, good talking. Do we have a name? I don't know. Can you think of a name? I'm just still in shock that we actually agreed on a fucking movie. And, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back is third. We agreed on several two. movies. We agreed on... Uh, I can name like three things. So that short. should be like number four. What do we talk about? We talked about Trombo, Mad Max, Big Short, Foxcatcher, The Walk, The Road Warrior, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and The Star Wars. Oh, I know. I, I want to make a, a brief... I forgot about this about Star Wars. Um, in Clerks... Yeah. Uh, Dante and Randall have a conversation that the average stormtrooper wouldn't know how to install a toilet mm. and that they, you know, to build the Death Star, they couldn't keep it secret because they'd have to hire contractors. You'd have to hire plumbing contractors. There you go. There is, I don't know if it's a direct connection, but when Finn, when Harrison Ford asked Finn what he used to do, mild spoiler here, um, Finn says he worked in sanitation. And I felt like that was a throwback to that conversation that Dante and Randall have. <laughs> no but okay well it tells you as you were saying it's in the Star beginning wars where they were stuck in the sanitation thing they they jump into the sanitation thing and 
you know, they're going to No, get but Finn worked in sanitation. I, no, I know. So, so as you were saying, what does the average stormtrooper do? So the yeah. stormtroopers are not just an army that right. stands Absolutely. around waiting to attack, but right. they're actually, you know, they're, they're actually employees. People and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, that that are there working and doing stuff. And, and Finn worked in sanitation, so he's probably installed. So I just thought it was. Too. I thought to me it was just like it was kind of interesting, and it, there was like a little even gasp to me when he took the helmet off. I'm like, oh my god, like that was cool. Oh, there's you humans. Know? You know, there's in, humans in the news in the new Star Wars. And, oh, there's another. You know, whatever. Spoiler. Do you watch uh, Game of Thrones? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I, the, the stormtroopers I thought were very much like the uh, the Dothraki slave. Uh, um, Soldiers. I have to watch Game of Thrones again. I mean, I saw it from start to finish recently. I binged, right. so it's like there's just way too much fucking information. Her because uh, uh, there's like you know it was like a, what five or six seasons, and the, every the, the every show was a movie. The so. uh, the hot blonde girl mm-hmm. who's got her slaves, yeah, that are eunuchs and whatever. Yeah, yeah I thought that was, like they're. Oh yeah, troopers. no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty much it. yeah. Good. I'm Vince Roca, Martin Bailey, and uh, for more on the show, we don't have a website, so visit. Getconvinced.com, I guess. We'll figure that out soon. I guess that, I guess that maybe that's another you know thing for you to do. I don't know. Because, again, to go back to me, I am technologically at about two years old. So I don't even know how to turn a computer on, and I'm not joking about that. So thank you very much for putting headphones on me. And I'm actually talking to a microphone for the first time in my life, and this is very interesting, and it's been very fun. So hope you guys enjoyed. We'll talk more movies and and uh, we haven't even yelled at each other. We haven't even like fought about a movie. So this is a uh, part one, uh, day one, not too bad. Uh, we've had interesting conversations in our life. Just to let you know, I have walked out of his house before on a conversation over a movie. So these things do get heated. It gets weird. It gets, it gets, you know, we get cranky. Um, but that's why I like talking to people about movies. And that's why I really enjoy talking to Vince about movies. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for inviting me and hopefully we'll do this several more times. All righty.